so on this episode, uh, we had decided to talk about the death penalty, but instead I want, no, I'm kidding. Um, we're going to talk no. about the death penalty. Uh, you're killing me. Please. <laughs> I'm it's, so well. Oh God. Ugh. I know. I know. Ugh. Listen, listen, we get into some really deep subjects with a lot of, a lot of societal issues. I got to make jokes. I got to, I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Uh, but anyway, so here's the I'm thing. I'm sorry. That, I'm sorry to the listeners. Both of them. Well, actually we've got, I think we have four now. I just heard a friend of mine, Lauren is now listening as well. So Lauren, hi. Uh, I am so glad to have another listener. So okay. here's the thing. I remember way back in the day and I'm talking back in high school. So like 10 years ago for me, 20 years ago for you. Probably 30, but okay. I appreciate yeah, okay. it. Yeah, <laughs> nice okay. <suck> up. <laughs> okay. I, so back in high school, I had, it wasn't even like a debate class, but we had to learn how to debate. So it probably was just English or whatever. And the idea was take on something that you had to argue against or for that you don't necessarily care about. And mine back then was death penalty. And I remember growing up in a, in a house where we supported the death penalty. If you kill somebody, you should be killed. It just kind of made sense. Like if you are a murderer and we can't trust you to get better, we'll just go ahead and end your life. And it was like, yeah, go ahead. That makes sense. That's fine. An eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, whatever you want to call this stuff. Right. Well, I had to argue against it back then. And so as a, as a, as a teenager, I don't know if I was a junior high school, whatever it was, but like I was an older teenager, I had to argue against what I thought was what I, what I believed in and it opened my eyes to like, wait, this isn't so good after all. Fast forward now till I'm in my forties, mid fifties. Listen, I'd, I'd be proud. Look, I'm I sorry, look this I'm good. Sorry. I look this good in my mid fifties. I'm good with that. I know. I think I make the joke wrong. So I'm always like, oh, look at me. I'm basically a teenager. I'm, I'm essentially a fetus. And then I'm like, oh, no, I look terrible for a fetus. I look great uh, for a 60 year old. Right. You got to. Yeah. You got to get a joke. Older. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so now fast forward to where I am today. And like my faith is a big part of who I am. I, I am Christian. And I don't know how a Christian can support the death penalty. That's where I'm at today. Like how in the hell can we support the death penalty in any form or fashion in this country, but let alone when it comes to faith or, or, or whatever. And then as I was prepping, I was looking up how the death penalty affects racial issues and the disparity is incredible. So that's where we're at today. We're talking about the death penalty and I don't think we're going to argue about this. So if you came for an mm-hmm. argument, <laughs> just keep on walking, right? But I do think that it's it's a discussion to be had. And, and how, what do we do about it? Is there ever a time for death penalty? You know, so maybe some of those details, intricacies, we may agree or disagree on. So I'm curious to see how this goes. But I think in general, like, no, no death penalty. Um, yeah. So I'll shut up for a minute. You you go. Well, I have, I have something else to talk about, but I don't want to just keep talking over you. So you go. <laughs> you weren't talking over me. I wasn't really listening to you. So you're okay. I was going to say, I don't really. <laughs> I was listening to you. So okay. I'm the worst. Um, yeah. I was going to say that you and I are not going to disagree because we've had conversations about this. We basically believe the same thing. And like you said, maybe for each of us, um, we have nuanced differences, but overall it's kind of the same, but it's also like not the, I have a hard time faulting someone who does believe in the death penalty. When we talk about, well, what if, you know, when someone uses an example to bring a truly heinous crime closer to you. Well, what if X happened to Y? Okay, I have in an in a specific case like this, I still have to default to injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere and no on the death penalty. But 
I can certainly understand if somebody is using an example that close to them or if somebody has unfortunately had something happen so close to them and the person that is guilty of that crime is up for death for the death penalty. I can understand feeling differently about it. I know that it's not an easy thing when you think about what these people have committed. Now, that to me is the biggest thing on so many of these issues that it isn't always, it often is not easy, a binary choice. It's this or it's that. There is so much room for discussion that people don't have. It seems mm-hmm. like people don't have. Now, that's such a feeling. Of course, that's hyper focused on social media. Nobody can have an... <laughs> Nobody can seem to have a civilized conversation on social without getting into the weeds. <laughs> However, you know, I'd like to think that when we have these discussions face-to-face or over Zoom or phones or whatever, like over the dinner table, it's a great dinner table conversation, death penalty. Should we kill them or not? Anyway, Very classic. Right. But in all honesty, I mean, that's where it should be happening, right? Like we should be able mm-hmm. to talk to our family, extended family, friends, people in our lives to say, gosh, here's a big issue. How do you think about this? Oh, interesting. Should we talk like this is what we should be doing during dinner? Not just looking at our phones and what like, come on, people watching TV. Like, let's have discussions again. The Um, the cat and I sit down and really get into it. We actually have Ruth and I have a no phones during dinner rule. And we really get into stuff like this. Yeah, that's good. Especially because she doesn't have thumbs and like is you're just far too privileged to even tell her she can't have a phone. Okay. Uh, (laughs) actually, their little their little foot pads do actually work anyway. That's Here's, you know that I feel like from I, I do know that because I yeah. have cats also. Uh, so here's the thing. I am really curious to know what you think about. I, I guess you maybe just said this, but like, again, you go back to what if someone very close to you was murdered by a serial killer who is also all these other things that are terrible. Mm-hmm. And there's and they're just a, a sociopath with psychopathic behaviors, what do we do with them? Shouldn't they just be eliminated so that we're all safe? See, and that's, it's so hard because, you know, when you present it like that, it's hard to say, no, Eh, nah. But on the other hand, um, I think that, you know, when you have somebody who is a, sociopath who has true sociopathic behaviors who has committed the most heinous of crimes and let's take away the idea that we don't know for sure let's like be in a world where in this singular case we know for sure that this person has done it there is factually zero question about it because that is i think another side of the coin that we'll talk about in this episode as well. But let's pretend like this. There's no question about it. Um, This person has admitted to it. There's evidence that doesn't leave any shadow of a doubt. I, I don't know that. I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I don't know if rehabilitation in the way that we think about it right now is possible. I don't think that this person can serve X amount of years and then go back to society and be a teacher. But I think that there could potentially be a scenario where I think that prison as a whole needs to be 
completely rethought and not even prison, just like um, the way that we police, the way that we jail, the way that we prosecute, all of it needs to be completely restructured. And in this brand new magical world scenario that um, we'll create here, um, I think that there could be sort of some a, a different way to rehabilitate and allow that person to um, maybe live their life, not in society, but still maybe there is action that can be taken that can um, help that person. Mm-hmm. I think it's just really, I, and I don't know, I really struggle with it. Like that's a nothing, I, that's like a word salad. That means nothing. Um, but I, because I, I don't know, like I want to think that there is a way that this person would be punished for the most heinous of crimes that they have committed do not in any way belittle the loss and the hurt and the pain that they have created and brought onto all these families can you even punish someone who's sociopathic if you have zero know. empathy is is it even punishment at that point or is it just lock them up to keep them away from us i think yeah i mean this this in this scenario like that person is never going to be brought back into polite society and perhaps should not even be uh, allowed to, um, you know, socialize amongst other prisoners, because what does that create? What kind of problem does that create in itself? But, you know, certainly like there could possibly be some, some service that they can, some way that they could be of service in this country, whether it's like um, work or, I don't know. I, I I really don't know. But again, like, I don't want them to be. I don't. I, I do think we should abolish the death penalty. I don't think they should be let out of jail and put back into society. I don't think that we can leave them in jail, have them do hard labor and not pay them. So I don't know. But we got to figure out something. Right. When you say of service to society. It makes me think I've, I've read recently something to the effect of like we, we have this even even in non hustle culture, because there's this whole hustle culture in like entrepreneurship and stuff. Right. You got to out hustle everybody. You got to work 24 seven, you know, all this stuff. <laughs> I'm familiar. <laughs> we have this hustle culture of like side gigs and do this thing and you have to contribute. You have to contribute. You have to contribute. Do, do you have to be productive all the time? Can somebody just exist without being productive? Because when you say they have to be able to be, you know, c- contribute to society in some way, like, but why? If if someone is that broken, and I, and I don't mean like lock them up in a, in a well and only feed them scraps and but like, but if somebody is so broken and we have to pull them out of society to keep us, keep other people safe and rehabilitation can't happen or it probably isn't going to happen. Why do I wonder why we think of, well, they have to contribute somehow. Why can't they just basically be on vacation for the rest of their lives? And because, because I agree with you, I don't think when I think of the death penalty, I don't believe there is any case for it. I just don't anymore. Mm -hmm. But then what? If they can't be a contributing member, do they have to be? Can we just put them away? there has to be some sort of punishment. So if the punishment is, Hey, go commit all these crimes. We're going to pluck you out of society, place you in a play, in a spot where you don't have to work, but you also don't have to pay taxes. You don't have to contribute. You don't have to do any of that. Maybe they can't mentally have uh, some sort of punishment and they can't be rehabilitated. But so then the, 
they get to just sit around for the rest of their life. That's not good enough. That's not a strong enough punishment for what they've done. But again, I go back to punishment. I think of, I mean, like as a parent and as even as someone who had got punished as a kid, cause I'm far from perfect <laughs> mom and dad. Thanks. Um, I was perfect, but uh-huh. perfect pain <laughs> in the ass. So <gasps> punishment is meant to like make you not do it again. Right. You, yeah. you, you, the, the, the cost of punishment is greater than the, the risk or whatever, like the, the, the reward of what you did. So for most of us, we have empathy within us or what's well, learned or whatever. And we say the punishment is you get to lose, you know, if my kid lies to me, they lose their phone or something. Right. And they go, oh, okay. I shouldn't lie because it hurts others. And also I can lose my phone. Like those two things work together. Right. Mm-hmm. For, for so many of these, what we would say are heinous crimes like you're just broken. Do you even have empathy? So can that punish, can punishment even affect you or is it just get you away from us to keep us safe? And from there, whatever, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I, I struggle with that. Like, I don't want, I don't, I don't think solitary confinement is humane. That's not okay. When you say pull them out of society and even out of the prison society. Well, so they're alone. Like they've got to have some kind of human interaction. Right. Yeah. But to be contributing, what is, what does that mean? Do they make something for us? You know, I remember stories of like, well, prisons is where license plates comes from, come from that. You know, they make license plates for us. Like, okay, if they make something for us, they should be paid. But is that just being paid to take care of their own housing, the room and boarding room and board? I, I don't know. It's just, I think the death penalty needs to be abolished period. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think there's, I don't think there's any, you know, somebody comes to me and says, but what if, what if, what if, if somebody were to kidnap one of my children and do terrible things to them and then kill them or torture them or whatever, I don't know how I would feel. I would probably want revenge because that's just human nature of, of who I am. I also, for me, it's a faith thing of like, you're going to have to be dealt with by your maker. And even if there is no maker, there's things like karma or there's whatever, like, I just, I can't, I can't live in that to continue with my life. Mm-hmm. I would never be the same. I can't even imagine like, this is, does not diminish at all what people have gone through. I cannot even fathom. Yeah. I also, I just believe that there are too many factors in our system that we, like you said, we just don't know. Even if we knew with a hundred percent accuracy that this person did it, there's video evidence. They've admitted to it. Witnesses cannot be shaken, whatever, like all these things line up and like they did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I still don't think that there's a death penalty. There's room for that there. I just yeah. don't. What about, I don't know what to do with it. What about in this same scenario, zero chance that this is a, a wrongful conviction, any of that, this person did it. No, no other possibility exists. You know, what about lots of therapy for them to start with and then going from there? Because we just jail people and we don't worry about the mental consequences of it, regardless of whether we're talking about death penalty or whether we're talking about, you know, stole bread to feed your family. 
Yeah. We just are like, no, nah, it's you should definitely go to jail. And, and also like that's putting aside. First of all, why are we putting somebody in jail for being poor? That's what we do in this country, but we shouldn't do it. But also that's putting aside what we do when we put people in jail, put them on death row. And then at the last second, they're exonerated. And then we're just like, OK, you're free. Good. Good luck. We're not, right. um, you know you don't have to go to therapy. You don't have to, you just have money and you're that's, that fixes it. That'll do it. Um, so we're, you know, that we, we don't do enough therapy in this country period. We're going to talk about that in another episode. We don't talk about, or we don't do therapy for people like this that are on death row. We just say like, well, you did a bad thing. You don't deserve something like that. And it's not about deserving it. It's about like, how can we understand these people a little bit more? How can we get to the root of maybe they're not a true sociopath? Maybe there's something else in there that we can that that is. That can be rehabilitated. And that makes me think like when you how how you just how you said that just now makes me think we do have levels of things like murder. We've got manslaughter where it was maybe inadvertent. We've got murder that was not planned. We have murder that was planned and executed in a certain way. Like we have different levels of it. So another question that I have, and I, maybe this episode is just all about questions. <laughs> and those <laughs> are like, yeah, no shit. I ask these same things. Like maybe we're all just in this, in this. Together. Yeah. Because I don't, I, I don't know what the solution is. And maybe, you know, in this episode, you and I will stumble upon it, but like going into it right now, I really don't, I have way more questions than I have answers, but just like yeah. every other episode, I'm strong in my beliefs and I'll never change. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, maybe this is one of those situations, one of those societal issues that isn't necessarily answered easily, but it is important to question, mm-hmm. right? It's so important to yeah. question. Why, why do we feel like we have the right to take someone else's life? Right. We, you know, yeah. we don't, we don't have all the evidence all the time. So many times people are exonerated. Just this last week, I sent you an article was like, Hey, look, somebody else that was exonerated. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think they were on death row necessarily, but they've been in prison for like a dozen years at least. They're just like, oh, DNA evidence, you're free. ACLU has a fact up on their website. It says since 1973, over 156 people have been released from death row in 26 states because of innocence. Nationally, at least one person is exonerated for every 10 that are executed. And That's it, so many people. <laughs> and here's the thing. One out of 10. Sounds like, eh, it's just 10%, no big deal. But how many of those that were executed then did not have the means, did not have something like so, something didn't go right where maybe they were also innocent? We we don't know. And isn't one life taken too many? Mm-hmm. That shouldn't have been, right? Like, not that any of them yeah. should have been, but like, isn't one innocent person too many when it comes to the death penalty? I think it is. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, again, I haven't gone through this personally and, and, and I'm, my heart breaks for anybody who has, there's no, I don't think there's any kind of currency to take away a heinous crime for the victims who are left behind. What, what amount of years in prison would, would suffice if you killed my family member, right? Like, I don't know that there's any. And so I I can understand those who, who want justice in that way. I like, like you, I get it. I also, I am inspired by those who come out and say, okay, you murdered my family member and, and I forgive you. Yeah. 
And like, I don't, I don't understand it. I'm not saying I could do it, but I, I, oh my gosh, like the way I understand forgiveness, that is absolutely amazing and healthy to be able to do, but how do you do that? So I, yeah, there's that too. I mean, look at, um, Charleston, the church shooting in Charleston where nine people were killed. And while the, I'm not going to name the shooter, but, um, while he was being, um, I think they were maybe sentencing him, uh, the family members of the victims came in and told him we forgive you. I can't that, I mean, that's like, I just can't understand that kind of strength. That's incredible, Mm -hmm. but yeah. And you know, executing that shooter will not bring your family members back, but I also don't understand how that feels. So I can't pretend to give that advice. Like I'm not giving that advice. I have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. I just know that I, what I, what I do know is as a society, I don't believe it's right for us to say you can't kill. So we're going to kill you. It just seems so like, wait a minute. It's it's like spanking a child for hitting somebody. Hold on a minute. Now I'm like, I'm not completely opposed to spanking. Maybe that's an episode for us, but there's, I believe there are other ways, oftentimes better ways. Sometimes a spank to get their attention to like stop what they're doing is maybe good, but like, don't hit that kid. Walk. I'm going to hit you. Well, that don't make no sense. (laughs) It it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense in that scenario. It doesn't make any sense in the big picture. Like states that have, uh, states with the death, death penalty have the highest murder rates. So not only is it more expensive to execute than to put somebody in prison for life, it also is not a deterrent for violent crime. So then if you're looking at it, if you just take the emotion away from it and look at the facts of it mm-hmm. and what we're not talking about, but I, I don't want to not have mentioned is that people of color are in this country, obviously, they're jailed more. They're more likely to be executed than white people, especially if the victim is white. And this isn't just me saying it. This is all on the ACLU website. And you can think what you want about the ACLU, but the facts are facts. Yep. Y- you can't argue with that. And I would, you know, I would um, encourage anybody who's thinking, you can't just trust the ACLU with these numbers to to look it up. It it takes zero convincing to know that in this country we jail people of color more than white people for the same crime, often even for less of a crime, often most often for zero crime. Um, and obviously, if you start at that, then once you get to the death penalty, obviously people of color are going to be executed more than white people. Yeah, and I think that's where I in the last few years have really begun to unpack my feelings on the the death penalty in addition to our system being so imperfect, whether it's witnesses can't always be trusted. We don't believe what we see with our own eyes or whether it's DNA can be evidence can be, can be flawed. That does happen. Or whether Mm -hmm. it's, you know, um, corrupt prosecutors or officers or whatever has happened. The system is run by people and people are flawed. It is not a perfect system, which means that those imperfections lead to innocent lives being taken on top of an innocent life already being taken, if we're talking about murder convictions, but there are other reasons for death penalty too, by the way. Um, and, and on top of all of that, we get into the racial disparity of it. And as a privilege a, a, from a point, from a place of privilege for myself, heterosexual white male, I have to 
I believe it is my responsibility to step into the system and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. While this benefits me tremendously, it's, it's, it's hurtful for others. And I'm going to, I'm going to stand up for them with them because they've been standing up for themselves for a long time, but we need to fix this system, remake this system that we have made in this privileged position. Um, I was looking up some information on this as I, as I was prepping for this and it, you know, this is this, this sentence, it got me while white victims account for approximately half of all murder victims, 80% of all capital cases involve white victims. So what that tells me, and maybe you're smarter than I am. So make sure that I'm saying, thinking of this correctly, please. Um, half of murder victims are white, but so that means, so that means half are black. Or, or, or half our people of color, whatever, whatever, whatever black Americans, um, you know, uh, other, other folks who aren't white. Only 20% of capital cases involve people who aren't white. Yeah. Which means we're taking on these vic- this victimhood of, uh, of the white folks, but not those who are non-white. Absolutely. Wait a minute. Like that. Look, look at the news this week. Um, this we're recording this the week of the um, we're recording today on the 21st and news is breaking in this case very, very quickly. So I want everybody to know when we're recording this, um, this young woman, Gabby Petito, who was killed. It looks like by her fiance. It was, you know, it's been in the news. It's been trending on social media. Everybody wanted to find her. The, the crux of the story is heartbreaking. It was a very young woman that was missing for a, a few weeks. And timeline is a little unclear to me, but missing for a few weeks. And ha, her, it sounds like her body has now been found and she's dead. Um, her boyfriend is now, or fiance is now missing and is a person of, uh, is a suspect in this case. He, I think he did it. That's neither, I'm not a cop, but. You know, he probably did it. And um, but uh, she is a she she was a white young woman. So everybody it's trending. It's everybody's talking about it's all over TikTok. It's all over everything. Um, And we, you know, police focused on this so, so much. But for every Gabby, there are hundreds of women that are also missing that are not being looked for in this way because they are not white. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, we're talking about young black women, but indigenous women, that is a very big problem right now. And um, every once in a while, somebody will say something about it and people will be like, yeah, we got to solve that too. And then immediately it'll go away. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have spent time talking about and looking for this young woman. That's not what this is. It is. Yes. And also. Yes. And yep. Yeah. Yep. And that's where, you know, this, the whole, the, to me, some of this death penalty discussion comes up is how many of those death penalty convictions, whether, whether they were real, like right or not, whether the person was actually guilty or innocent, the victims, if they, if again, 80%, the victims of these mm-hmm. capital cases are white, like we're only taking care of white people. Yeah. Th- that like, that's, that's also not okay. And so, which, which often I think now this doesn't say this in this article that I'm looking at and I'm making a guess here, how many of those uh, who are accused then are non-white? Well, that's because white murderers are misunderstood. Murderers are color of color are violent monsters. Yeah, you get a shooting 
spree that happens and he's white and it's, well, what's the mental health of that person? We should talk about that. If they happen to be not white, it's they're either a terrorist or a monster or something. I mean, that, yeah. It, and, and unfortunately, not only is that happening, that discussion happening around kitchen tables, which we need to stop. It's happening in the media, in the news, in the coverage. It needs to start. It needs to start stopping there. Like, you know, I don't, I don't want to paint this big, broad brush of news media as terrible and evil. That's also not okay. I also believe that our news media gets a lot wrong when it comes to things like this, where, yeah, they talk about, you know, the a shooter of a, of a church or a nightclub or whatever as, uh, you know, misunderstood and neighbors say he was so quiet and he's, you know, mental health issues come up and all this stuff. And sure, mental, mental health is, is absolutely coming to the forefront of a lot of discussions and it should. Mm-hmm. And yet on the other side of that is, you know, when, when we're, when, when someone who is not white, they're painted in a, in a different light and I just like yeah. all of that needs to stop. And I think all of that needs to, again, it comes back down to, for me, all of that is why that, that we need to just abolish the death penalty. It just needs to go away. Just, it just needs to go away. It yeah. cannot happen anymore. I don't know what the answer is on, on how we take care of the other things, but let's start there. Let's start with abolishing the death penalty. Can I make one more quick point about the mental health discussion that we have you make after as a white many shooter? Points as you want to make. This is your show. Sure, that's what you say now, but right literally, and nobody knows this because you had not start re- started recording yet. But right before we hit record, you said, and by the way, you get seven minutes of airtime. Don't go over. And you're at 630. So, <laughs> so you can hustle. theoretically have 30 full seconds. So <laughs> anyway, um, we have health, these yeah, conversations. Well. Hey, let's talk about mental health. This, you know, what was the mental health of him? Because they're they're white, and so obviously it must not be in something inherently wrong. Obviously, it's fixable if they're white. And just like the case of of Gabby, when I said like, not that we shouldn't have been talking about this case and looking for her, but we also should be talking about and looking for these other women that are missing and are not white. Let's, you know, if we're gonna have a conversation about mental health. Let's have the conversation about mental health. What happens is a a mass shooting occurs. It is often um, a white man, a young white man that has done it. Everybody wants to talk about mental health, mental health, mental health, but nobody wants to continue the conversation. So regardless of the fact that we're only willing to have this conversation about white young men, White young men are doing the mass murders. You can't just start the conversation and say, or you can't just have the headline say, let's talk about mental health. Um, You have to actually then continue to do it. Like as a country, we can't just say like, well, you know, what's what kind of music was he listening to? Um, He's this poor guy. He's so troubled. Fine. Okay, whatever. Have that conversation. Be willing to have it for anybody who commits a crime. But then don't just let it be a conversation. Push forward. Have legislation have these resources available and free to everybody. That's all. That's yes. my 30 seconds. Stan for the rest of the show. Onward. <laughs> Get off your soapbox. Uh, yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and we look at the, you know, I, I, I've had that conversation too, you know, when, when a, when a shooter happens and they, well, what, what music was he listening to? Is it, is it the, the video games he was playing? And, and I think those are all valid questions to be had. I've often said, those are not the reasons they may be factors for sure. The more violent video games you play, the less empathy you feel. And the more everything just feels like a video game probably. And like that could be part of it for sure. I've played violent video games over the course of my life. I've listened to some really terrible 
music. I, I haven't confirm. committed those. <laughs> I haven't committed those crimes. Like that, that isn't the only factor. Now, is it part of it? Does it wear you down? Does it add to the other issues? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so all of that needs to be had and part of these discussions. But what, what I was thinking is when when you said we had that discussion with with our, our white mass shooters, and yet so often I hear from fellow white Americans. Sure, but nobody's. But the media's not covering the hundreds of shootings and deaths in Chicago last weekend. Oh, 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 okay, okay, okay. You want to talk about that? We'll talk about that. Let's talk about crime in Chicago. Does mm-hmm. do they happen to be shooters who are Black Americans shooting others who are Black Americans? Probably. But let's talk about why. Let's talk about the mental health in, in that society. What What are we doing to help them in, improve their mental health mm-hmm. and their society and what are we doing to help them you can't just talk about this white mass shooter who killed so many like without saying the same things about others who are in that same position or who are who are violent also but we don't but we i say we white america doesn't we just want to point our fingers and say well yeah but but black on black crime is a thing and nobody's talking about that no they they are unfortunately they're talking about they're they're talking about it in the wrong way yeah I don't know, man. I, 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 yeah, I don't, I just, and, and I'd love to hear from listeners. Like, what do you think about the death penalty? Um, is there any room for it in our society? Why? If you, if, if, if it breaks my heart, if you have been the victim of a heinous crime or someone in your life has, and you believe in the death penalty, I, we do want to hear from you. What, what do you go through with that? How do you, we don't want to change your mind. We just, we want to open up the discussion. Um, one of the things I don't understand, Kim, maybe, maybe you can help me understand this too, or we'll just kind of commiserate together. Um, you, you know, again, I go back to my faith. It's okay. Christians say abortion's bad because you're killing a life. Okay. How can you in the, in the next breath advocate for the death penalty? Now, not every Christian does, but this is something that I see in, in, my faith is people who say abortion's wrong because it's murder. And yet if you murder someone, you should have the death penalty. I don't understand that. I, I don't understand here? either. I, I don't understand either. Now I, I'm, I'm like, my tongue is bleeding from holding myself back from, from saying, which I know that, you know, but I still think it always bears repeating that um, abortion laws are not about saving lives, but controlling yeah. women. But on a person to person belief that is faith driven and you don't believe in abortion, don't believe in abortion. Abortion happens. It's not, you know, whatever the truth is. It's not Santa Claus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My, um, my, my grandpa, uh, in his last few months of life, you know, we would talk about end of life, um, preparation specifically with my mom and and my grandpa. (laughs) He would always say, I don't believe in cremation. My mom was like, no, well, you certainly know what happens. (laughs) that's funny <laughs> knowing that's funny. He, he was always like no i don't believe in it no i don't know <laughs> but you um not believing it don't support it i guess is what i want to say so somebody on a personal faith level saying that i don't support abortion but i do support the death penalty that one is tricky and i don't quite understand how they wrap their heads around it maybe it's because they think that this fetus that's like literally the size of a grain of rice hasn't sinned yet so therefore is like this perfect thing. But then to go back to the other side, you would know more than I would, but aren't all 
souls don't they have like wouldn't faith tell you that all souls have the ability to be forgiven yes so then so i mean so coming from a christian side of things yes absolutely god so loved the world the bible doesn't say god so loved the innocent god so loved those who didn't murder god so loved the world that means everybody so everybody's spirit soul is loved by their creator also i love the the story of when Jesus was on the cross and he had two other uh, criminals, two criminals next to him, one on either side, which by the way, back then the Romans apparently in history tells us they didn't just crucify people just for fun. Like they were bad guys. They probably did something really terrible. Heinous, you know, death penalty, heinous kind of crimes. Right. Mm -hmm. He turned to one of them who was considered a thief or whatever and said, and because this guy said to him, you are God, I want to be with you in heaven. And he said, yep, you will be. You, you can be forgiven. You, according to our faith, you can be forgiven. So there's no, like in my mind, there's no room for, well, we're going to go ahead and kill you and send you to your maker. Like that's, that's no, no, no. Like yeah. even, if, even if you can't be rehabilitated and put back into society, your life matters. We don't get to just take take you out of it. I don't feel like, and I know there's going to be pushback from people who listen who say, "Well, what about the pedophiles? What about the rapists? What about serial killer? What about?" And like, yeah, they may not seem to be redeemable, but guess what? It's not my place to redeem them. We need to keep society safe. Yes. So what that what does that look like when it comes to imprisonment? I, I don't know, but I'd rather pay for what I would think is probably a very small amount of people who we would imprison for their lives or do something with them to confine them in a humane way. Again, that's all part of the discussion and jail and imprison fewer people because a lot of the things that we're doing this for are not imprisonable offenses. Yeah. We need, like you said, Kim, we need to change the way we police and prosecute and imprison that whole system is needs an overhaul. Yeah, I mean, I it, believe it's if, a square one overhaul. Yeah, yeah. But if we were able to do that, then I believe we would have far fewer people in prisons. And then we could afford to imprison rather than kill. Because again, imprisonment is cheaper anyway. It's less expensive than, than death penalty because all the appeals and everything else. So yeah. I just, I feel like wh however you're looking at this, whether it's emotionally, whether it's logically, my conclusion for me and how I would vote in society is to abolish the death penalty. So yeah, there you go. I have one last thing that I want to say about Gabby Petito um, yes. only because it's been in the news and it's been on my mind. And I thought I didn't have this thought at all throughout the week. Um, but I thought about it just in this conversation that you and I are having, which is that if we were to overhaul this entire system from the ground up, um, then so basically the, the kind of thought process is right now that this young woman um, has been killed. You know, let's say let's play out a scenario where it was an a moment of rage and she lost her life. Maybe he pushed her, her fiance pushed her and she hit her head on a rock. OK, let's who knows? I'm not saying that's what happened. I'm saying. Let's play out a scenario where this happens. But now we're in a new society where everything has, we have redone our, the way that we um, prosecute, jail, punish everything. 
from the ground up. Um, this young woman is killed in a moment of rage by her fiance. Instead of her body being left and he drives back home half the country away and her poor parents have no idea what has happened to her. And they're in agony and agony until her body is found. And like, thank God she was found to bring them a little bit of closure. Let's play out a different scenario where this guy goes to the police because there is a little bit more, not leeway. He needs to be punished. He also needs some mental help. He needs a lot of it. Um, anybody that can do this needs a lot of help. Um, but he can go to the police. He will serve time, but also get some the um, mental health help that he needs, the rehabilitation, all that kind of stuff. And instead of being so scared that he goes off into the woods and now he's missing as well, he it likely dead, if not just in hiding. Um, he his her parents are brought closure quicker. And even though the result is the same, their young daughter is still dead, which is heartbreaking and awful. And my heart goes out to them completely. There is a little bit more closure perhaps for them and a little bit quicker too. I don't know. And I, I, I do want to say that I have had conversations about the death penalty around not necessarily the dinner table, but the monopoly board. Um, yeah. <laughs> I have had conversations around, I guess, the dinner table, um, you know, with friends who feel opposite that I do. But, you know, those conversations are really important. And, and I think especially going into it saying like, hey, we we feel differently about it. But like, let's talk about how you feel. And I want to see your side and I want you to hear my side. And those conversations, whether it's about this topic or any topic, so important. Yeah. So great. Well, and, and and I think to piggyback on that, it's so important to go in with that mindset instead of I'm going to change your mind or instead of going in with preconceived notions of, you know, if somebody came in feeling the opposite of, of the two of us, they'd come in, they may, they might come in with, well, you li liberal hippie want to save everybody. You can't, you're just going to cost us all money and blah, blah, blah. Like, hold on, come in with an open mind and open heart and say, okay, why, what is it? You know? And, and if, yeah, anyway, it's good stuff. It's good yeah. stuff. Yeah. There, we solved it. We did it. Not at all. But <laughs> no. uh, yeah, I think I, you know, again, if you're listening to this and, and you want to have a discussion, please shoot us an email about it. We'd love, we'd love to have discussions. And I would be, I would feel very privileged to hear somebody's side of it who has a very personal stake in this. Um, you know, we can make these broad brush strokes of, of ideas and not have a very personal connection to it. And so I'm always up for learning and, and gaining some empathy and perspective. So, um, yeah, there you go. So myamericapod at gmail.com. Also myamericapod on social media. You can find us. And also for me, it's just Dan Moyle on the social media. That's who I am. Great. And I'm at Kim Offit and I'm not interested in being convinced that I'm wrong, but um, certainly feel free to follow. Well, I don't think I'm wrong. Let's, <laughs> let's be clear. I don't think I'm wrong. Uh, but hearing other perspectives is important. Um, so we, and we've got, <laughs> we got some other great episodes coming up as well. Um, we're, we'll be talking about unhoused Americans and the housing initiative or homelessness, whatever you want to call it. Or we're talking about those who don't have homes and how we're, what are we doing to fix it? And how can we, and is it a private thing? Is it a government thing? What is it? We'll have an interview with somebody who does a lot of work in that world as well. Jeshua. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, we're talking about the conspiracy theories out there in the world, Pizzagate, QAnon, all that good stuff. 
And I, you know, it's, it sucks, Kim, because I used to really love conspiracy theories. They'd get me thinking like, could we have faked the moon landing? That's a pretty cool thing. And now I'm just like, no, don't talk to me about it. Don't, don't even know. Life is just facts. Leave me alone with conspiracies because it's been so ruined. So that one's coming up. I understand um, your pain because I used to love the letter Q. Now I'm like, don't even get out of here with your courts. With your courts? You like yeah. courts, do you? <laughs> love. Used to. So hit us up on social. Talk to us. What do you think is the worst conspiracy theory out there? Or what is your favorite? Um, and uh, is Q really a thing? Uh, yeah. Talk to us about your, your unhoused stories as well. Uh, we're going to have some great conversations this season. So thanks for listening to My America. My name is Dan, and it's just my show. Kim is just the silent partner. You are the you teller wish. to my you pen. You wish. Oh, you wish. I is that even right? Is teller the quiet one? I don't even know. Um, I don't know. You are the short one to me because you are shorter, so that works too. I'm shorter, and, yes. But neither of us are the quiet ones. Uh, I was told from a listener that you are very feisty, and <gasps> she really enjoys how you put me in my place. So there you go. <laughs> I'm here to be of service to the people. <laughs> there you go. All right, yeah. Look us up at thestorytellersnetwork.com/slash/myamerica for past episodes. Uh, we are my America. Cheers. <laughs>